Hope Center has the Hope Leadership Academy. They have a free medical clinic. They have a charter school. They're working to grow a sustainable, healthy community in an impressed environment where there is very little hope. And the Eastland Project started when the Hope Center needed people to help mow lots in the inner city. And that grew into the Eastland House, where we purchased a house in the inner city. And that has changed into partnering with the Hope Center to help re-neighbor the inner city. We own a 4,500 square foot home at uh, Linwood and Benton, and we've completely gutted this brick row home and have begun putting in a new subfloor, studying out new walls. We're about to put in new electrical, uh, plumbing, HVAC, sheetrock, paint, trim, carpet, flooring, and hopefully house some interns from the Hope Center there. Thank you, Lakeland, for all you've done to help make this possible. Um, I hope you will continue to see this vision and, and see this to completion. In 2006, I piled into an SUV in a remote part of China with Charlie Belt and thrown in the back seat of the uh, SUV there were two young men. One of them was uh, Jack Leo. Since that time, he's uh, become a pastor, become ordained, and he has um, started and developed multiple training centers in uh, the underground persecuted house church in China. These days, he's in a really an unheard of town in China, gathering young 19-year-olds around him and training them in the Bible and teaching them English. It's good for Lakeland to go outside of its property, to think differently about who is a Christian, who is my brother and sister in Christ, and what can we do to support other Christians around the world. As a pastor told me years ago up in Vancouver who was Chinese, he said, there are those who preach the gospel and there are those who fund the gospel. And, uh, and then he looked at me and he said, do you know Chinese? I said, no, I don't. And I think at that point I knew exactly what Lakeland's role would be is that we're going to be funding the gospel. If you can't speak Chinese, then you better go fund the gospel. And so that's what we've really been doing. We're deep in all the way and would love to have you come do one of these trips as well. Through the Anapa Redemptive Community, Lakeland has been providing beans and rice to about 50 families in Anapa, Mexico. Anapa is a community just across the border uh, on the outskirts of Juarez. These are families who generally would only have one meal a day if Lakeland wasn't doing something. The other thing the Redemptive Community has been working on is a library. This year we expanded the library, we doubled its size. While we were visiting, we got to see the kids running around and learning. We got to see the moms practicing their reading so that they can help their kids with their homework. Over the last six years, Lakeland has made sure that 50 families are fed monthly. The elderly people have blankets and heaters in their homes in the wintertime. We built a library. We filled it with thousands of books. We've built an expansion to the library where kids are getting tutoring every Saturday. It's unbelievable what God has done through Lakeland. Thank you. As a mom of kids K through four, I really am grateful for Lakeland's support and investment in them and their church experience. They need to hear uh, my voice and Tony's voice and our family's voice, but they need a periphery of villagers that also care about their well-being spiritually. They've asked really deep questions when they're not asking. I've actually seen my kids stop and pray. As a mom, that's all you can really hope for your child. I mean, I'm still learning that. I've got more years on this than they do, so. In the 2020 financial challenge, Lakeland wants to remodel and revamp the campfire space for children's K through four, much like they did in the youth space. 
I think that would be a great opportunity to invest in our future, our kids' future. Just grateful for Lakeland and my kids' life. Well, everyone, we are celebrating 2020, 12 months in, 24 months to go, cool stuff going on, and uh, we are um, just here this morning really to celebrate and remind uh, what we're doing. And so if you're new and there's a table outside the doors when you leave, this card goes over all of the various initiatives that the 2020 Financial Challenge is funding. So if you're curious about it, and uh, pick up one of these. If you have forgotten and you're a part of 2020 and you'd like to be reminded, uh, I think we kept this on our kitchen table for quite a while, at least even during while we were starting the thing. And you may want to grab another one because, Marty, you said we have like millions of them. Uh, And you might want to grab one and throw it on the kitchen table and it might even give you something to pray about over dinner, you know, with the kids and remind yourselves like, hey, here's what we're doing. Just leave it out there until it gets too coaster-worn. And, uh, you know, and then get another one. Get so, all right. Um, Marta's up here because we are going to talk about, Pastor Marta's up here. And uh, I wanted to ask her a couple of questions and make sure, sure we're all up to speed on the initiative that you are most fond of and deeply right. own. Right. Uh, and that is welcoming the stranger. Yeah? Right. And, so, uh, yeah. So, I wanted to hear um, what is welcoming the stranger, okay. if you can tell us again what it is, and then precisely what. Uh, you're working with, and then what's Lakeland's involvement in that? So, so welcome, what's, what's welcoming, welcoming strangers? Welcoming strangers um, taken from the verse in Matthew 25 about um, when Jesus said, um, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink, and when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat, and when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. And so we've been studying for, oh, a handful of years, probably five years now, about the immigration situation, the refugee situation, and how those verses might apply to bringing the kingdom here. Um, on earth as mm-hmm. it is in heaven. And so um, there are four, four categories of immigrants and refugees, and it's really important to distinguish them because we hear a lot about this on the news, oh, yeah. and they get, it gets super confused even on the news. I'm like, that's not even right. So um, immigrants, there are two kinds of immigrants. They're the kinds, they come here from other countries. They can come here on a work visa, or they could come here... Um, and be on a pathway to citizenship from that way. Um, those immigrants are usually, they usually have an option, albeit probably not as good as an option in their country to go back to their country. Sometimes it's very, very terrible and they can't go back because it is a matter for survival. But um, in, a, in the case of refugees, you're talking about displaced people. So you have immigrants, and then you have refugees. You have refugees, and um, there are two kinds, and the first kind is a displaced person. And so you become displaced when you become displaced out of your home. Your home is destroyed from some uh, natural disaster. It could be natural disaster, or or mainly it's war. And so um, it would be like if Kansas City and St. Louis, I don't know which side of the state you're on, were destroyed and your homes were destroyed, and you were displaced from your your homes, and then you went to go travel to find more homes, maybe in the rural area of Missouri, and or say Kansas didn't let us in, and Illinois didn't let us in, so oh, Iowa's going to let us in. So all of us walk to the distance to Iowa. That's okay. similar to what people in Syria are. That's a displaced are, refugee. That's a displaced refugee. The minute you cross the border, you are labeled legally 
international law as a refugee. Okay. And you have a different status in, according to the law. Yeah. And uh, refugees want to go home sometimes? They want to go home, but in general, Mostly. they cannot. Okay. So there's the there's a slight difference because right. there's nothing left for them there. Yeah. As in the case of Aleppo, the city's ninety percent destroyed. In, in Syria. Mm-hmm. In Syria. Right. Right. Okay. So they All just right. don't have the option. They want to. They don't want. Everyone wants to be in their own home. No one wanted to be displaced in the first place, but the option is that they're now in other countries that they cannot do anything about. They're simply trying to survive. All right. So that's our categories. That's what's going on. Sort of lay of the land. So we've done a uh, so ton. So what are we, what are we, uh, how are we working with this around yeah. here at the church? So we've done a ton, and I won't go into um, some of the things that we've done for them on the ground in other countries, but most um, recently we've befriended um, local refugees, a uh, family that's here in Lee Summit, and I'm going to try not to use their names, so if I do, just forget if their names. Um, but their story is, is pretty tragic in that um, the father and the, the husband, um, was hired by Christian missionaries in Afghanistan to translate. He was going to university, and he speaks great English. So in this other country, it was an American missionary. It's from another country. And he was hired to translate for them. And in the middle of the translating in this orphanage, he realized he's translating the Bible, the Christian Bible, which then became a very big problem for him and his family. He then was put on a hit list. Several members of his family were killed, shot down, and um, he then knew that he was then in danger. The missionaries that he was helping, two of them in the group, were beheaded. So, okay. so they, they fled. are now living in Lee Summit. They fled. They spent two years in Pakistan being questioned every single day, the very same um, questions every single day to make sure that they were vetted and that they weren't our enemy. They had no idea where the UNHCR would place them, and they placed them in Kansas City Yeah. after 18 months of daily questioning. All right. So there were 16 of them. Two, the sister and the brother came with their families. There's a father. The mother was alive at the time, but she died of cancer uh-huh. uh, along the way. So um, they were placed here. One brother and his family were placed in, I think, Provo, but in Utah. Okay. Maybe Salt Lake City. So they end up in Lee Summit or somewhere around they here in the Kansas City area. Right around the corner from Chris Lee and Alicia yeah. Lee. And so how did we? How did Lakeland get involved with these guys? So uh, they visited. There's a lot of Lakelanders that live in this neighborhood, and so they visited a um, garage sale. And my friend Kendra, if you guys know Kendra, she said that they told her their story, and then they loved Jason and Twyla's wedding china. At the garage Which was in sale. Kendra's garage sale. Now, why did Kendra steal Jason <laughs> Twyla's wedding china? But she gave it to him for free. And, and oh. as of right now, they are eating on this beautiful wedding china that they absolutely love. They always mention this china that is just so beautiful. But um, they had plates then to eat on, and they had nothing to eat on before then. And Kendra said, hey, can you help my friends? Of course, they're new friends for her, and, and they're refugees. And I'm like, there are refugees in Lee Summit? I didn't even know there were refugees in Lee Summit. So we met them. They told us our story and we've befriended them and we we um partner with them and we uh we're friends now so the the girls the girls are friends so i've got a picture i have permission to show this picture and it is the best picture it makes me almost okay those are your friends. So it's Chris and Alicia's little girls. Little girls. So this is field day at the school. And Alicia goes to school, and she's like, okay, this, this 
take notice of what's going on in this picture. Field day in um, a family who's, I mean, have you all ever missed field day? <laughs> I yeah, I didn't see what was going on until you pointed <laughs> this out. Yeah. So tell she, us what that is. Her dress is just beautiful, isn't it? But you usually don't send your kids to field day in your Christmas dress. So, and then someone must have grabbed a hoodie to, it might have been cold that day, to help the little one out. And, you know, they're just, they're awesome kids. They're beautiful, but they have no idea what's going on. And so my husband um, went over one day to help with a scanner, and they were like, hey, so what are you guys doing for, you know, break tomorrow? There's no school. And um, they were like, wait, there's no school? So I shouldn't put them out on the bus? And they're like, no, there's no school. So these are the daily things that are hard for us to keep up with. Right. They're like, ah, oh, man, there's no school. But they're, that's really a hardship on them. And for them to figure out a daily thing is so difficult. Yeah, so imagine. some of those things were helping them. Medical, um, you know. People are helping the difference the between mm-hmm. People in this community have given some medical help for free. But the difference between emergency, what's an emergency and what's preventative, mm-hmm. not even on the radar. No concept. They're, mm-hmm. they're just trying to survive day to day. So... Those are the kinds of things. Those girls, though, Dan said something a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the gospel comes to us through um, probably something that was hard for us. And so for part of my story is that I grew up with a, a mother that was from another country that survived World War II. And I know what it's like. So I look at those girls and I think I became a Christian through the church, mm-hmm. through someone who who's some white girls who invited me to church and I didn't know, and I wasn't a Christian. I didn't become a Christian. So several times along my young life, those children are being, the gospel's being preached to. We, we wonder what in the world is happening in the world? Why is there so much war and pain? And then I listen to that song that says, you are good. And I'm like, you're good because the church is here to be good on your behalf. We are the goodness. You are the goodness that is on God's behalf for the people that don't know yet, don't yet know him. Amen. So what are we doing just day in and day out? Uh, meeting with them. With these guys. Befriending them. The kids are playing together. Uh, medical care. We're driving them to the dentist and back and forth and d- resume writing, helping find jobs. It's kind of business, legal, learning how helping life them works. understand life works. Mm-hmm. It's hard for most days for all of us. But to be put in a in a mm-hmm. country that and and then also to know I can never ever go back home. Mm-hmm. That'd be tough. Yeah. So you guys are doing great work. At, when you contribute to 2020, you're contributing to some of this medical care. You're contributing to diapers. You're contributing contributing to potlucks that we have with them. And those are the things that we're doing to welcome. They're no longer strangers. They're our friends. Amen. Well, hey, let's just stand for a moment and pray for these guys, okay? So, Lord, we don't use their names, but, God, we lift up our, the stranger in our midst. You said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, Lord, we are attempting to love our neighbor as ourself. Those that are voiceless, those that are displaced, those that are the foreigner in our land, Lord. And, Lord, we pray that someday they would confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and join our family. But, Lord, we understand that you told us that we will first serve and then win the right to be heard. And so may we do all that we can for these folks as well as their friends and other acquaintances that are from other displaced places. May we be that kind of church. In the name of Jesus, and we all said amen. Thanks, Marta. Wow, she just was, uh, have a seat. Um, She's gone. Um, So uh, let me... um,
take us just to a, a brief place here for a few moments and just remind us and challenge us of what we're actually trying to get done around here. Um, and let's start then with this scripture. It's out of Matthew chapter 11, so if you want to look it up in your Bible or on your phone or just look at the screens, I think it's up there. Matthew chapter 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, so this is John, who we know as John the Baptist, he's already in prison, okay? When John heard in prison what the Messiah, that's Jesus, what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, said to him, are you the one who's, who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about uh, John, about who John was. What did you go out in the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. So get the lay of the land on this thing. The disciples of John come on John's behalf since he's in prison. They ask Jesus, are you really the one? Because if you read between the lines, it's like John's questioning, is Jesus really the Messiah? Because you know what? You don't look like the Messiah. Where's your army that's going to kick the Roman legions out of our country? When are we going to get rescued? I thought the Messiah was going to be military. I thought he was going to somehow rescue us, bring down the armies of God from heaven or whatever. And Jesus, you're just not looking like it. And then Jesus appeals back to the disciples, say, yeah, think about Isaiah, think about the Old Testament prophecies, begin to clue in. What was the Messiah supposed to do? Ah, yeah, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news. One of my favorite passages because it digs into the history and the background. You get all these insights because here's a conflict going on between Jesus and John. And Jesus clarifies who he is in this very moment. Very, very important to pay attention to this one. What do you see? Jesus says to the disciples. Turns around in the crowd. What are you looking at? What do you see? The evidence is right before you. And so church, I ask you this. What do you see around Lakeland? What do you see around Lakeland? Is there any evidence to convict us of being Christians around Lakeland? Of being the church? What do we see? Do we serve the poor? Do we bind up the broken? Do we mend the inner city? Do we spread the gospel around the world? Do we get involved with uh, stopping sex trafficking, refugees? Do we do anything about racism? Do we do anything about underemployment? Do the lame walk, the blind see, the, the, the deaf hear? Well, some of these things we do. Some we don't. Lakeland's still a very segregated church. We have work to do. But on the other hand, there are many wonderful things that are going on, particularly when it comes to serving other people who are disadvantaged or voiceless and getting the gospel out. As Jesus said, you can judge a tree by its fruit. 
An apple tree is supposed to have apples on it. You're not much of an apple tree if you don't have apples. Right? Does Lakeland have fruit? Do we look like a Jesus tree? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing, everyone. That's what we're up, up, up for. Now, if you somehow fell into a very prevalent trap that goes on these days in America, if you fell into the trap that church was just supposed to be a religious consumer country club, then I hope we are failing your expectations. Instead, I hope and pray and work to show that we are in an all-out battle with the false idols of religion and consumerism. In short, church will cost something. As Rick Warren said in his famous Purpose Driven Life book, the very first line in the book says, it's not about you. The gospel came to you on its way to somebody else. You are gospel conduit. You are not a dead-end cul-de-sac of the gospel. Every person who professes Jesus is instantly in that moment charged and commissioned and called to go and be Jesus to somebody else. This is a far, far cry from some sort of consumer expression where it's just all about us and our ooey-gooey feelings. Nothing wrong with being healed, of course. We're all into that. But it doesn't stop with us. And what you find around Lincoln are people working their hardest to try and bring that to, to fruition around here. Go out to other people. Get that done. But it won't come easy, everyone. And it will cost. And that's why we do these financial challenges. We've been doing them now for years. And we'll continue to do some. I ran across this letter. uh, The very first financial challenge we did way back in 2004. I ran across this letter. And uh, I've read it a couple times. And I still think it's very, very important. And I need to hear it. And so I'm going to read it to you. On July 23rd, 1970, it's an old letter. My wife, Connie, gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. For three years, we had tried unsuccessfully to start a family. So our joy was great with the arrival of what was to be our only biological child. We later adopted a daughter. Lance, our biological son, was born before it was acceptable for our fathers to be present in the delivery room, a fact for which I am forever grateful. I waited in the hallway just outside the delivery room, and at precisely 4.13 p.m., I heard a sound I will never forget. Lance's first cry. The nurse emerged with a smile and said, you have a baby boy. And I could hardly wait to get Connie and Lance out of the hospital and back home so I could get my hands on him. The wonderful glow of fatherhood was soon dimmed, however, when I was asked to visit the business office at the hospital, they wanted me to pay for Lance. In fact, it seemed to, my, to me and my, my wife and my son would be held hostage until I settled the bill. I wrote the check, paying all the expenses in full, freed my family, and made my escape. That check turned out to be one of the first of hundreds, maybe thousands, I would write on Lance's behalf. Children are expensive. There was formula to buy, food to buy, doctor's visits, vaccinations. All of these things assaulted my bank account, 
Diapers and toys took their toll. And just about the time we had a great wardrobe purchase for the kid, he would grow, forcing us to start all over again. At his age and size, increases did come, and so did the expenses. Soon, it would be baseball gloves, uniforms, Nike shoes, glasses, braces, and then disaster struck. Lance became a teenager. Now it was cars and dates, brand name clothes, and then came college. Lance was always one to be an architect, and it seemed he'd be in school until he was 40 years old. But of course, like parents everywhere, we were happy to help him out. We did all we could to support his growth and dreams, and then one day, Lance died. On Halloween Day, we buried our 21-year-old son in our country church's cemetery. And that afternoon, we walked away from his grave, and since that day, have never spent another nickel on Lance. That's when I learned it. Death is cheap. Death can be sustained without expense. It's living that's costly. It's growth that's expensive. Our dreams, vision, hopes require sacrifice. Death does not. And that's why I'll always be a part of a church that needs money. A living, growing, thriving church that will require the continual, incessant, and conscientious support of its members. If somehow we thought that being a vibrant, Jesus-filled church, one that looks like Jesus, should we look for another or are you actually the real thing? It's going to cost us. It'll be sacrificial. Life cost everyone. You have a mortgage. You didn't like doing it, but it was really nice to have a home. Now you have a home, you have a living room, you have a messy kitchen and bedrooms where kids don't pick up their stuff. But it's all worth it. Expenses come and it's all worth it. We invest in it. Why? Because that is flourishing. That is life. And for the church to flourish and for the church to be alive, it costs us greatly. Otherwise, we're all just kidding ourselves. To be a Christian is to have a cost. For some of us, the cost is great. For those missionaries that Marta spoke about, they lost their lives. Someday when their name is known, they'll go into the book of martyrs. Yeah? Right now, is in, uh, a friend of ours is in prison. He stood right here, Pastor John Wood. Pastor John's in prison in China for preaching the gospel. He stood right here and said, would you like to come to China and help me teach English to 18, 19, 20-year-olds? You'll be sequestered and locked away in an apartment for two weeks, but you will teach the English Bible to him. And then he sent these young people out all over China to preach the gospel. But Pastor Wood has spent the last three years in jail, and then he's just been sentenced to seven years in prison for preaching the gospel. A man who stood right here in our midst that perhaps you shook hands with and said thank you for sharing with us and that your dollars go to help fund. And it still goes on. That's how close to home it is. Right there. 
It was never about you and it was never about me. It's not about building an empire. And if you're new around here, and like maybe this is your first Sunday, so kind of apologize for the sort of fun, the money part of the whole thing. But on another hand, I really don't. Because you see what we're all about. But I would offer this to you. You don't need to participate in the fundraiser. But I would say this. Keep coming and see if we're the genuine article. Put us to the test. See if the people around here don't measure up to what you think a Christian is supposed to be. I know we'll probably drop the ball a few times. But I'm really convinced that for the general part of it, the the greater part of it, I think you're going to find out we got some pretty authentic people around here. And they put their money where their mouth is. They believe in this. They understand that following Jesus costs. Now, if you want to join them, today is the great day to do it. 24 more months on this thing, and you can join in. If this becomes a place where you hang out and this is your church home, you become a member, a fully participating member of all that, and you say, like, you know, you can say, yeah, me too. It's all good. What brought you to the church, to this church, Lakelanders? What was the thing way back when that brought you here? What was it? Was it, was it my preaching? No. It was the people you're sitting with. The people you rub shoulders with. The people you hang with. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. And what keeps you at this church? The continual pounding away of looking like Jesus and being sacrificial. And saying we're all in this together. And I understand that without you guys sitting around me, I would never do these sort of things on my own. I just dabble. We have become a powerful people, everyone. Well beyond who we really are. We've become bigger than who we really are. Where do you see yourself in this church in the coming days? I hope you join us. I hope you you dig into this thing. I, I hope... Um, you understand what we're doing here. That this card is more than just simply um, some sort of thing where you, you know, give money to these sort of deals. Perhaps this is your first step. I think I said last week there are four spots left on the airplane to Liberia. You can go to that. Maybe you'll go to Jamaica with us. Maybe you'll end up in Haiti or whatever. My very first trip, Lori and I were engaged and we went to Haiti in 1989. I will never forget and it's, it changed my entire Christian life. Standing there holding newborn infants that were jaundiced with sores all over them. And the question was, is this one going to get well? And the answers all came back. This one will be dead in three months. This one will be dead this week. This one will be dead in two weeks. And I knew at that point I had no turning back. You get involved with this sort of thing, that's what's going to happen. At least everyone today will write a prayer on the bottom of the card and put it in the big bowl up here. One of these things that's touching your heart. Maybe it is Welcome the Stranger. Maybe it's Veronica's voice. Maybe it's China. Maybe it's an apron. You know, there's plenty of things around here. Write a prayer and we'll pass them on to the leaders that you know they need encouragement, right? Get a good prayer on there, everyone. Well, Lord, you have fed us with spiritual food. And now, God, you're about to send us back out into our lives. Uh, fed with that spiritual food, with your spirit. And we remember, we remember, Lord, that you died for us and you rose to give us new life during this Easter season. We remember. 
And remember who we're supposed to be each and every hour of this week until we come here again into this worship experience. And so, God, uh, may we be those people who understand what it means to follow you, that there is a cost, and we are on a journey attempting to pay that and be that kind of Christian. And in the name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Well, would you rise with me, please? And we're about to uh, end with our uh, benediction for the Easter season. Um, So it's Easter season. We have five more Sundays of Easter. So during Easter, we're turning to the cross with the white drape on it that's symbolic of Jesus' resurrection. And you have the um, weird task of trying to look at the cross and read the stuff on the screen. Uh, So good luck. All right, here's how we're leaving. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Everyone, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, everyone.